R.I.P. John Lewis. This is Corey, and this is the O the Anthem Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Welcome to episode 328 of the O the Anthem Podcast, coming to you from the hashtag OTA LA Studios, high above the 110 freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for joining us on your podcatcher of choice. The easiest way to get it, anchor.fm forward slash O the Anthem. Uh, go there, and then you can find it on Apple, you can find it on Google, you can find it on Spotify, you can find it on everywhere. And we welcome everybody who's watching us live right now all over the internet. Make sure that you participate, just put a comment wherever your stream is, and we can uh, put that comment right up on the screen here. Or you can join the Discord directly and be a weekly participant by becoming a member of the board. Yeah, and if you were uh, watching the intro video, you probably heard us talking about uh, an episode we recorded on March 3rd, 2015. Hmm. We were talking about the 2014 National Defense Authorization Act. Yes. And I'd like to start right there. Okay. And go right into Portland. Let's go. Uh, Because what is going on in Portland right now is the type of worst case scenario that Rob and I were discussing looking like crazy people at the time. Looking like fucking (laughs) insane people at the time in 2013 and 2014. As the, the two versions, so uh, to fill in people who don't necessarily know, the National Defense Authorization Act is something that passes every single year to authorize the budget of the uh, everything that has to do with national defense. Army, Navy, Marines, so forth. The, uh, homeland security, border security, all these different assets which are underneath of uh, national security. So every single year it's it's passed, and every single year there's some sort of... Uh, lobbyist inf- uh, compelled piece of new uh, law that becomes part of how the government works. The pork. Yeah. And uh, in 2013 and 2014 specifically, the in- amount of lobbyist controlled ideals uh, that were coming through and were not being stopped uh, and were being propelled by Democrats mostly was horrifying and disgusting and both rob and i have (laughs) i feel like uh you and i have the same sort of thing about like when somebody goes like oh man i just wish we could go back to obama and then we immediately have flashbacks to you don't even remember this shit you don't even remember the worst things because it you know like much like everybody i like obama like i think you know like i i i have a, a personal fondness for the man you know i i think that i don't feel like he's some evil demon that he's being portrayed as but at the same time you can't not drone strike villages full of people and massively increase the capability of the patriot act at a time where you're saying that you're getting rid of it and instilling into law the ability for the federal government to work as its own police force yeah and without any kind of due process, eliminate people who are perceived to be terrorist threats against the United States. Uh, That is a very far cry from everything that this government was founded on from the very beginning about how people are supposed to be treated for infractions against law. And And don't forget, uh, also Obama said he was going to wrap up the militarization of local police. Didn't do that. Expanded the program of selling military arms to local police. He was going to shut down Guantanamo Bay, not the military base, (coughs) excuse me, but the prison. Mm -hmm. Didn't do that. Was going to end the war in Afghanistan. Didn't do that. Was going to end the war in Iraq. Didn't do that. 
did raise our value amongst allies worldwide. Yeah. Uh, did bomb brown children using drones. Now, the benefit, we don't have people who are mentally scarred by being on the ground in a different place or a fire, a, uh, a pilot dropping a bomb and turning around like as he goes to pass over the damage and realizing like, oh, wait, that wasn't a military objective. That was a wedding. Uh, <laughs> or that was a school. Yeah. And so <laughs> or any number of the things that, you know, were constant sources of drone strikes to get one person yes. at the expense of. 200 people and there are drone pilots but the the weapons fire so there's a pilot who's piloting the drone he hits the fire button when he's authorized Mm. nothing about the targeting is done by him it's all done by satellite from whoever is picking the target he just pulls the trigger and that is the next step away where you get to say like uh, i don't know what we hit i fired three times three hellfires they traveled you know up to 200 miles and landed on something yeah i don't get to see the report And what they would often do is have two drones in the area. One would circle the target. One would fire from far away. Yeah. And then that way you would not have to know what it is you hit when the guy in the drone overhead sees that it's a wedding being blown up. So we did all this. The the point of bringing this up right at the top is is to first give you the clearest scope of the subject I feel I can give you, which is this is not just a Trump deciding to go rogue thing no no uh it's certainly a bigger step than we anyone would have anticipated so quickly but to think that it was out of the realm of possibility is uh you're not paying attention if you're if you think this is outside of the realm of possibility i believe part of our discussion during that time was listen there are a lot of i don't think obama's gonna do it but the next person could really fucking ruin people there's a lot of tools that maybe i trust obama with because he would never use them out of place. Yeah. Now, would he use them to force everyone inside when, I don't know, there's a pandemic on and I can't get people out of bars and restaurants or to wear masks? Maybe. And maybe that would be a good use of the power. But when you create a power for the federal government, you don't know who's going to take it next. Yeah. And in fact, up until Election Day 2016, we were sure it was going to be Hillary Clinton, which, by the way, was scary enough because yeah. I think that she is a person who's capable of doing more with it. But then we got a completely unstable person. Yeah. And, and it goes back to everything that's ever been done. I, I mean, like, when someone put 27-inch guns on a, on a ship for the first time, 27-millimeter um, guns on that ship for the first time, basically uh, that was King George I, who mm. was relatively sane, not looking for warfare, everything's fine. But once you, put, once you do that, then when King George III or the fourth comes along, who is years and generations of inbreeding in and does crazy things like, oh, they don't want to take our ships in for trade. Let's just bombard this port Mm -hmm. on the south of France for no reason. Um, Well, now he's got 27-inch guns, which are, in the era, able to do unspoken of before destruction. Yeah. When you build a nuclear weapon and you trust Franklin Roosevelt with it because he's the guy who's, you know, uh, sitting at your fireside, every week telling mm-hmm. you how things are going to be okay. That's great. But then you give that weapon to Richard Nixon. And I say Nixon, cause ironically, most of you were like, Oh my God, I trust Nixon with nukes more than I do many of the presidents in the, in the 20th century. Cause that's a guy who knows brinksmanship. He knows how to play the hand without actually playing the hand of shooting. One. Nixon, Nixon, despite, uh, uh, despite his numerous faults, yes, of which we could go nice. on forever. He was, 
truly brilliant when it came to seeing the the whole chessboard of global yes interconnectivity. He uh, like unlike anybody else who had ever lived, he had the ability to see the world from afar, like unlike anybody else. Yes. Uh, and he did. He had awful intentions with what he was going to do with that knowledge, but it doesn't change the fact that. Well, I don't know if that's true. Internationally, he probably had the best intentions, but what he wanted to do was to consolidate power at home and essentially be a king. In well, his own I mean, country. like you know, so like you know, there's a there's a dual sidedness to like trilateral diplomacy, yes. which is happening where he's trying to basically have Asian <laughs> countries fight against each other. Yes. And the U.S. constantly being the person who's like, oh, that's fucked up what they did. Oh, that's fucked up what they did. Yeah. And just play them until there's one true superpower and then aim your focus at that. Or keep them all so weak fighting each other that the U.S. can just basically do what we want. Yeah. And well, there, there's fantastic. that part, too. Yeah. Um, but you, you build the, the nuclear weapons. You trust Roosevelt with them. Then, you know, you get guys like Nixon, who are good statesmen. You get guys like Jimmy Carter, who probably would never have fired it even if we are directly under attack by yeah. the Soviets because killing that many people is unconscionable. Um, and then sometimes they end up in the hands of Donald Trump, a guy who is uh, unstable on the best of days. And again, one of we talked about this, not that we're that psychic. I mean, we are. But mm-hmm. uh, four years ago in 2016, we said, oh, Trump is elected. It's weird that his first question was, how do I fire nuclear weapons? Yeah. Not really the first thing you ask. Now, Clinton jokingly said that the first question he asked was about Area 51. Turns out it wasn't, but he did ask early in his campaign or early in his presidency. Mm-hmm. But Donald Trump legitimately asked how to fire nuclear weapons as the first thing he asked the Joint Chiefs. Well, I mean, you never know. We got to be prepared. Sure. He has to yes. know. I mean, like, if this is the most important thing that he's going to have to possibly do every week or so. Yes. <laughs> and, and well, sir, uh, once you're actually yeah. president, uh, then you'll have uh, the football and uh, then you will be able to release weapons. Let's do. Can we make a fake football? Is there a fake one we can make just in case? Okay, yeah. sir, we'll have a football. Is that right a next violation year. of the law to make a fake football? <laughs> Going back to Portland though, specifically, because yes, yeah. we we kind of got off the topic. Basically, what our, what our point was there is you have no messiahs, whether or not you are a Republican or a Democrat. It, it is either it is not just Trump acting alone, nor is it Obama by himself upending all of no. constitutionality. It is a long drawn out process of both Republicans and Democrats who have led us to this place where now we have the possibility for a president to use a federal law enforcement to uh, crack down on any imperceived slights by the executive. And to, to answer by some... an acting DHS secretary and an acting undersecretary and everywhere along the chain of command between Trump and boots on the ground are acting people who have not been confirmed by anybody. Can you even imagine if somebody was like, Hey, can you watch my dog shop? My dog, you know, uh, my pet store for a week Yeah. while I go on vacation. It's pretty simple. People will come in, you know, the, all the prices are on the, on the thing. Uh, I, I trust you to handle it. And then while they were gone, you turned it into a strip club or something like that. Like, yep. this, this, you're an acting person here. You, you shouldn't have the opportunity to just wildly change everything about what we're doing here. And, and to be fair, many are acting because he can't keep someone around long enough well, to also actually they, get to and get through. They don't even bother bringing it up for confirmation because yes. as soon as you get the no, then they can't be acting anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and going back to 2016 again, or 2015, you get as many fucking judges through as you want, but you can't get a God through goddamn DHS secretary. Well, it requires a supermajority. Yeah. Ju- judges only require a majority. Yeah. So what do you think the state of the Senate is right now? <laughs> Anybody? 
Um, so the, uh, the, the, one of the things we said back in 2016 was, uh, it's a powerful weapon and it could be used by somebody in the future. And people said, Oh, that's crazy. Now it's being used against people. Yeah. And I said this week, Hey, we need to be careful because this could spread out other places. Portland is a great place to test it because it's a very politically active city and yeah. there's a lot of people doing a lot of things. We should keep an eye on it. And, an, and a fantastic mixture of liberalism and libertarianism. And, it's and like, it's like strange, the perfect storm of strange safe house of Nazism too. I'm not really sure where that, where that comes from, but uh, Portland. Oh, well, Oregon was, so it's a little bit of everything. Oregon was created as a uh, safe house for uh, white supremacists. So that's where it comes from. But then it was invaded by hipsters. So, yeah. you know, uh, they're not so happy about that. But I said this week, it can go out and can be used other places. This is a great proving ground. And people are like, oh, you're overreacting. Who cares? Well, Josh Marshall reported this week that Deputy Secretary, no acting, but should be yeah. included that he is in fact acting because he hasn't been, uh, the uh, Secretary hasn't been confirmed, so he can't appoint anyone. Um uh, Ken Cuccinelli, yeah. I think is how you say that, that uh, he told NPR that they are not stopping at Portland. This is a the proving ground for tactics, which will then go nationwide. Trump just just recently said that uh, Oakland, Chicago, Baltimore, a whole bunch of there was like seven cities that he named yeah. that yeah. that this is going to start happening. And here's the thing. <laughs> the, the idea was. uh the idea is that when this whole all was passed, when the when the NDAA of 2014 was passed, the idea is right now there are a lot of people who have not violated a law, but are going to incredibly violate the law. No, because no, no, they're not going to violate it. No, it, it's it, it was one of those. It was one of those. Uh, if, if there's a, a shooter at a Walmart or something like that, yeah. The, up until the point that they go into the Walmart and pull the trigger, they have not violated a law. Right. But if we know for a fact that they are going to plan this next Saturday is going to be their their uh, crime spree yeah and they're going to do it then this gives the the government under the guise of homeland security the the permission structure in which to take that guy away yes put him into a, a black site prison there is no need to contact a lawyer there is no alerting anybody that you have been locked up nope. you're actually not technically locked up you're just put in a room where you don't know where you are until they feel like letting you out. And we had we did the stories about the ones in Chicago. Mm -hmm. One guy was picked up for fucking possession of marijuana and was <laughs> fucking yep. black prison for a week. So uh, here's the thing. When they mark you on this list to be taken, yeah. uh, what the NDAA allowed is that you are reclassified from a citizen to an enemy combatant. And it doesn't matter that you're an American on American soil. If you are planning a shooting which is an act of terrorism, domestic terrorism, you can now be recategorized as an enemy combatant and treated as if they had taken you off a battlefield in Afghanistan. Yeah. And if you guys don't, aren't aware, what we do with those people is we stick them in Guantanamo Bay and we never finish a, a trial. We never charge them with anything. We just hold them there. The idea being, well, we'll let them get old enough that they can't fight and then send them back to Afghanistan, which is essentially what we do. Yeah. We kept people there for 15 years. The guy is now like 45. and like, ah, he can't fight anymore. All right, send him back to Afghanistan. Yeah. Or we wait till the, uh, the uh, Taliban takes prisoners that we want to get back, and then we make a trade. Right. They're we, prisoners. We have charters. some prisoners. You have yes. some prisoners. So uh, one of my suggestions uh, is, of course, we should start taking prisoners. If they're going to take... 
They pick, put one of ours in the hospital or the black site. We put one of theirs in the morgue. And then we just see how this works. Um, however, that will lead to, you know, open gunfire in the streets. And civil I believe, war. I do but, believe I predicted along around yeah. that same time as well um, yeah. as happening. So <laughs> I, I, uh, that's the real problem with this whole situation is that at a certain point when the constitution has been violated so fervently, uh, the, the only, <laughs> the only, uh, uh, thing that the constitution specifically says is an option for, uh, dealing with someone who is violating said constitution is to overthrow the government. Well, they not don't the really... constitution itself. The Declaration of Independence well, says true, yes. when, you, uh, when we can no longer work under the bounds of the system and our, our requests for uh, redress are ignored and you act like a despot, we have only one recourse, and yeah. that is to overthrow you and to implant a new government which will secure those things which we want to be secured. I'm just like, uh, to me, it's shocking that that all these people who were Obama haters mm-hmm. and Trump sympathants who are constantly going out there and, and saying like, you know, oh, it's not fucking funny when Obama's trying to take your liberties away from you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Why not this one? Why are yeah. we talking about this guy now? Uh, Where's all those, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'd rather live on or die on my feet than live on my knees. Yeah. Uh, all the libertarians with the guns who are going to overthrow it. What is fucking Rand government? Paul saying about this shit right now? I haven't even looked that up. I'm, that's going to be my next. You're going to have to go over to Parlay to find that probably. I don't know if he's putting that on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's a statement from Rand Paul's offices on Twitter. No, it's so I, I, I picked, I pulled a different picture. Uh, just, this is what the cops look like. If you're, if you're watching on the video, you can see that there is a police officer which ha- who has no badges, no name. It just says police on his, his, uh, camo. Oh, here, okay. Hold on. Courage and freedom here. Oh, here we go. Uh, okay. Rand Paul, uh, on Monday, spoke out against federal officers rounding the people up at will in Portland, Oregon, saying the handing of un- the handling of unrest should seat be left to local law enforcement. We cannot give up liberty for security. Local hmm. law enforcement can and should be handling these situations in our cities. And there is no place for the federal troops or unidentified federal agents rounding people up at will. Paul tweeted Monday. Hmm. So yes, uh, very nice. Good However, for you, uh, because let's, let's also remind ourselves. This are these aren't people who are wearing badges and uniform numbers or anything like that. These are people who are, Designed to look as covert as humanly possible, yep. with no kind of identification, throwing people in unmarked vans and taking them to question mark. Yeah. Also, uh, rented vans. If you run yeah. the plates, they come back to uh, you know Hertz. They yeah. don't come back to anybody else. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Um, can't follow the van. Can't follow the people. Have no idea who they are. And uh, you can see the image sitting next to me right now. If you're watching the video, it's literally just a guy in all camo who looks like a soldier out of Iraq. Yeah. But it says police across his chest. He's got sunglasses on at night because, you know, he's clearly cool. Yeah. Um, and He's clearly Corey Hart. There's no way to identify him whatsoever. I can't tell the race of most of these police officers. Yeah. I'm going to guess white, but I have no <laughs> idea uh, what their race might be. And you've just no way to keep track of anything. Yeah. And this is happening well, in and, American City. And the, the thing is that, you know, uh, Trump is is arguing that they're anarchists and that they're uh, violating the law. Great. If they're violating the law, then there's no reason to extradition or you know to to sweep them up just out of nowhere. Yes. You can charge them with a crime and you can bring them into court mm-hmm. and say these are the charges against you. How do you plea and continue on from there? At that point, 
I know whether or not this guy's an anarchist. If you bring in Chad from Portland and he goes in front of the judge and he says, yeah, I tried to light the federal building on fire. It's just like, well, all right, I'm okay. guilty. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But like if you just sweep him up and put him in the back of the van, I'm more inclined to let him go. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he's done. I don't know uh, how guilty he is of the crimes you're saying he committed. But until you give me some sort of evidence of proof that he deserves to be in the back of a van and then in some warehouse somewhere, you're not going to get it. Like, what do you also keep in mind? Uh, Chad, the anarchist, nothing, no crime committed there. Yeah. You are allowed to be an anarchist. Chad, who wants to light the federal building on fire versus Chad, who did Chad, who tried to or yeah. did. There's a crime. I'm saying if there's an actual charge where you could say on Friday, yeah. Chad went up to the federal building and <laughs> threw a piece of paper against it, hoping that it would catch on fire. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> At least he made an attempt. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't chat his way out of this one. The other problem is that uh, Chad it looks like he's a uh, Antifa super soldier who's taking beatings with a nightstick yeah. and smiling about it. That Navy guy is fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. I love that guy. I wish I had pulled the video. The not only the not only the, pull, the like turning away after getting beaten with the sticks, but the like double barreled middle fingers as he's like walking away. Like fuck so, you guys. There's a video going around on Twitter where this guy who's in a Navy shirt. I don't know if he's in the Navy, but looks like he could be in the Navy. He's yeah. Head and shoulders taller than all the cops around him. And this guy just goes to work on him with a bat baton. One, two, three, four. Doesn't move, doesn't seem to be impacted by it. This other guy gets maybe four inches away from his face, hits him with pepper spray, and he does this like, rah, rah. <laughs> like it's making me stronger kind of look. And then they all, all the cops are like, it was oh, the, shit. It was the same move that used to happen when you would start beating up on Hulk Hogan, yeah. and he would just start hulking up. <laughs> like, the more you punch him, the more he was like, Argh. Yes. So then he, uh, the, those cops back off, and you see, like, six more step up. And then Navy Man wisely says, I can take one baton, but seven. I didn't know how many guys they were going to use to kiss, kick my ass. But, uh <laughs> I knew it was going to be enough. And that's the important <laughs> fact. Uh, so it, it, he, he just turns around to walk away, but then double barrels of middle fingers back over his shoulders yeah. as he calmly walks away from them. <laughs> By the way, uh, white privilege, unbelievable in that moment, uh, because I don't think any person of color would do that. They'd be like, I survived a police encounter. I'm going to walk away from this. Okay, great. Yeah, it's, it's it is a it is a pretty uh there is a, a moment of white privilege I do think. Yes, uh, but well earned as you take the beating <laughs> from the baton and don't. Uh, I mean, don't you flinch, know, so. it, it, if you're using it to go out there and protest, uh, you know, police killings of people, uh, you know, akin to George Floyd, then uh, I think that uh, your privilege is exempted in this. Yeah, we, <laughs> it's not we'll, a, we'll allow. It's It'll not allow. a bad privilege to but, take so, the beating on behalf of others. The problem with this is it's a developing story. We know they're going to try and roll it out to other places, but we haven't seen it any other places. But also, I've noticed no mainstream media coverage of this whatsoever. It picked up more today. It was, okay, well, there it, you go. What, what, was, what was really nuts about it was, uh, fuck, when was the actual video of the guy getting thrown in the van? That was Thursday or Friday, right? Yeah, it was maybe Wednesday night, and it came out Thursday on Twitter. I feel yeah, I feel like Thursday or Friday is when I when I first saw it. And I felt like I was looking for 
you know, like Orioles Twitter. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes when you're just searching for one thing on Twitter and you just like type in Orioles and you're just like, I just want to read all the Orioles tweets. I'm, right get, now. I'm trying to get into the uh, vein. By the way, uh, <laughs> white people who didn't realize that black Twitter is just regular Twitter <laughs> exists on Twitter. It's just uh, black people on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Orioles Twitter. Same way. You just got to find, you got to get yourself in the vein. And once you, once you find the Oriole, then you can go down the thread. Yeah. You don't go to black.twitter.com or anything no, like that. It's no. just, it's just with, contained within Twitter. Although, uh, <laughs> Copyright. We're going to yeah. copyright that idea. Well, I mean, Twitter's got its own problems right now. Uh, we, <laughs> we, the, the show is so loaded, we, we have no time for fucking Twitter losing control of all its verified accounts and having them all put out uh, Bitcoin things. Yes. And apparently that Bitcoin operation making $100,000 on that thing. From dumb And people. apparently it being a Twitter inside job. And apparently all the tweets are locked out. All these people are locked out now from their Twitter accounts because if you changed in the last month, you're locked out of your account. So, yeah. Uh, that is not a story for today. That's a story for another day when we but know more way, about it. But by the way, there are a lot of people not wearing masks. I'm not surprised <laughs> that people fell for a Bitcoin scam. What are you going to do? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, last thought on Portland before we go. Um, the one thing that makes me not so worried about this moment, like the impending coming of a new civil war, the doom, is that, uh, to the best of our knowledge, uh, the people involved in, uh, being this federal police force are not, uh, army or Marines or Navy or any acting member of the military, but more likely, uh, border secure or border patrol. Yeah. Uh, other de- or other homeland security agents, but not there. There's very little infrastructure for there to actually be a police force that goes national. Yeah, out of this office, like the uh, the fact that they have to rent vans is evidence to many that they don't have the vans to yeah. necessarily yeah. do this thing. So army might uh, have Humvees or something they could use. By the right. way, no plates on those either, so you'd be still be screwed. But and I mean, like it, we're going to have ourselves a very different conversation of much more serious conversation about this. This is already a serious conversation, but a deadly serious conversation about this. If army start coming down the, yeah. start rolling down fifth Avenue and major American cities to, Oh, well, uh, I mean the, do you remember Baltimore in 2015? Oh or yeah. Well, Los we'll, Angeles we'll get to Larry Hogan here. Okay. Yeah, well, cause that's happened. And uh, also pretty silent were all those libertarians who were like, if there's tanks on the streets, I'll be in the streets with my gun. Didn't see any of you out yeah. here in LA. Just, uh, <laughs> just saying. There's there's more of a we've called time out on this situation when the National Guard gets involved that I feel like most people are just like I'm, I can hold off on my protesting for a little while until the guard leaves and I can peacefully come back and protest some more. Uh, this issue can wait until the National Guard gets tired of being here. Not anymore because yeah. a black bag. Yeah. When the National Guard leaves, that's where the black baggers show up. So. Oh, my God. But uh, yeah, terrifying things. Yes, uh, but we will uh, we'll keep you posted on that as the uh, as the story develops because I'm sure this is not the last we've heard of it. Yeah, uh, but uh, unfortunately, um, it is uh, probably one of the few one of the few last times we will be speaking about John Lewis. Unfortunately, he uh, died passed on uh, this week. He died um, Friday, I believe. I believe it was Friday. Yes. Uh, and if you don't know who John Lewis is, there's an image of him up on the video right now. We've spoken about him pretty often. If you've seen a picture of the Selma bus boycott or the, or the Montgomery bus boycott or the Selma marches, you have seen a picture of a very young John Lewis getting a skull cracked in by, uh, the state police in Alabama. Uh, that image crossing the Edmund Pettus bridge. Yes. Which by the way, uh, 
he was the grand wizard of the KKK in the Alabama, and that bridge is still named the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Yes. John Lewis. I think it uh, should be the John Lewis Bridge, personally. And I think if if you want to find a time to do it, now seems like a pretty good time. We're yeah. tearing down uh, you know, Confederate monuments and naming things after pretty great black leaders from the Civil Rights era. Now's the time. John Lewis, the John Lewis Bridge. And uh, yeah. So John Lewis uh, does did a lot of cool stuff. Uh, even in his older years, he, he uh, was a, a member of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee in the 60s. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But for those who didn't know, as he aged, especially as it came into the 90s and the 2000s, he would, on occasion, uh, go still to get cons- arrested. Was that <laughs> still get arrested? Oh yeah, well he's still getting arrested. That's more recent. Uh, he was arrested on the House of the Floor like two years ago for a gun rights bill that he was trying to get passed. Yep, refused to leave the floor. Yeah, uh, as you guys might remember, and uh, then started live streaming it. And John Lewis selfie live streaming. So it's something you want to check out. Uh, it's a guy who doesn't really understand how it works, but uh, somebody at one point told him, hit this button, then hit this button, and you're good. And, uh, yeah, so it's uh He it's did it with gusto. Yes, yeah. But uh, he used to cosplay as his younger self and go to conventions and wait for people to kind of figure out who he was. And it was a really moving thing to watch young black people who – really are new to the cons anyway. Cons have traditionally been a white people thing. And then it kind of expanded out to be a white and people of Asian descent thing. But black kids never really got into it. Once they started, it was interesting that John Lewis was like, I can take advantage of this by educating people about the past. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go to furry con or whatever con was going on. It was Comic-Con, I think. Was it Comic-Con? Okay, (laughs) sure, whatever. It was very good. (laughs) Comic-Con. I feel um, like John Lewis would show up and he's just like, oh, what fush? <laughs> I've made what a fresh hell is this? <laughs> but he would go to Comic-Con and uh, cosplay as himself and then have all of the young black kids march with him around yeah. the convention center and just like wearing his old the getup. He's cosplaying yeah, his, as his, himself with his the, old the trench coat and backpack. And yeah. one of the things he was wearing the trench coat that he got his skull cracked in. Yeah. In. And uh, I don't know that it's. Just that he never, never once gave up this entire time. He's yeah. been put, once uh, the courts rolled back the Voting Rights or bits of the Voting Rights Act, um, he was pushing for Congress to step in and renew it, and then like over overdoing the courts. Well, and I when I happened. when I think of John Lewis specifically, I I there there's an expression he used a lot. I think it was uh, the title of one of his books as well, but Good Trouble, mm-hmm. and he always spoke of uh, nonviolence. But knowing that he was going to put himself in a situation which would incite violence. Yeah. But that the the act of inciting the violence is going to get us quicker to the end. And he would rather be the brunt of the hit than somebody else along the line. Like he could take it. And in showing and allowing the violence to happen to him, he allows himself to uh, not only show his own uh, place in this in this situation but also he would always sort of examine the other person in the sense that like this person is broken too the person who hit me is broken too like we all need to we all need to come together and fix the the deep deep issues between us and come to a better place and uh you know it's it's uh an incredible legacy that uh we're we're basically done with 
the the civil rights heroes of of yeah. MLK now because we have we have that and we have CT Vivian. I was gonna say and CT Vivian also died this week. Uh, he was a man who Martin Luther King called the greatest preacher he had ever heard. Yeah. Um. And although he was a preacher, he was also politically active. Um. That's not a thing we do anymore. Just kidding. You could 100% hear preachers talking politics, even though they're not supposed to. Um, but uh, he was, a, a, again, a leader in the civil rights movement. And we're getting to that stage now that I think 10 years ago we got with World War II vets where mm-hmm. they were dying off at like 1,000 a day or something like that. And yeah. it was, it, there was a realization that like we need to go out and find these stories because if not, we're going to lose them forever. These guys never told their kids never told their wives what happened yeah. while they were over there. And somebody needs to go ask them and record it. And I think we're starting to get to that place in the civil rights movement. Like the leaders have died are dying off now, but there is a, there's a group of late teens, early 20 year olds that are just as old as these guys who were the ones backing John Lewis on the bridge. And I, I I'm glad that in recent years, there's been more of a push, uh, in in film and in like documentaries and TV yeah. and stuff like that to sort of uh, talk about, uh, you know, spe- specifically, I think of Selma just because, you know, it, it's talking about, you know, the, the crossing of the Edmund Bridge yeah. and stuff like that. So can't get the speeches. Doesn't matter. We're making the movie anyway. <laughs> all right. The, the all the all the intention was there. Yeah. All the all the good intention was there. Um, but yes, a, a, a very sad day for uh civil rights and American history. I, mean, I, I think the saddest part is that um, John Lewis lived his entire life. He was a young man who grew up under Jim Crow. He spent most of his youth overturning Jim Crow and bringing about civil rights. Uh, his parents or grandparents were, were grandparents slaves, right? were slaves. Yeah. yeah. His grandparents were born property Yeah, and they got to see themselves be free. His parents lived under Jim Crow their entire lives he grew up or was born under Jim Crow and then helped bring about civil rights. And the year that he died, we are still arguing about police acting the same way they did under Jim Crow, about the unnecessary deaths of, of black men at the hands of police, the incarceration rates in the United States that exceed the number of men ever in bondage under slavery. Like, we're, we're not there. And it's sad that, you know, Martin Luther King was assassinated and I think there was an assumption that clearly you know he he died pushing for this goal and he was okay with not seeing the end yeah John Lewis I think would have said if you had asked him in 1975 like we're nearly there we're before the end of my life my kids my grandkids are never gonna have to worry about this but he's got teen year old grandkids like probably 12 or 13 I've seen pictures of them I can't say how, I, had, how I, old they I are can't sure. imagine that he thought there would be the 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 end of the tunnel by the time he was done. I mean, I think but, there, I mean, there like, was a lot of talk about it. Like, if we keep up the progress the way that we're going, that things I mean, are going to be equal. But if they you just never did. if you want to talk about making right of the whole thing, you can oh, you can pass the Voting Rights Act, which is something that John Lewis championed for his entire life. Yeah. Uh, so you know, there's that. Uh, uh, he he dies with that. That's still never passing. So, yep. Uh, and I, I just I, I feel like uh, we are we're losing all of the people who who lived through the first movement, and that is setting us up for the only result is going to be a second movement, which we're already seeing the first vestiges of. But I mean, I I, I would I would categorize it more as 
waves. Like I, I think a lot about civil rights in the same way that I think about like feminism in a way. Mm-hmm. Cause like there's like the first wave feminism, second wave feminism and how things changed slightly along the way yeah. to adapt to whatever was going along the way. I feel like there's been more swings in, in sort of like civil rights in general, if you were to talk about it in the same way. And at a certain point it branches out a lot. Uh, based on the civil rights, uh, uh, Civil rights in the South is way different than civil rights in the Northeast. That is absolutely for example, true. You yes. know? Yeah. So, but you can get your ass beat by a cop in anywhere. any city yeah, in, in this country. Any city it in this matter. country. It's, it's all welcome. Uh, and hopefully uh, we will have uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg around with us for a little while longer to yeah, and help I, make sure that that is not happening as often. So, uh, again, another big story out of this week. Uh, and the, I, I love and I hate the way that she kind of lets the news go because – she is now in treatment and headed toward remission again. And that's when she drops the news that, oh, yeah, uh, earlier this year, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer yet again. And I am going to I have been seeking treatment. I'm pushing forward with treatment. I'm not leaving the bench. And it's one of those things that I, I said to Corey in the pre-show meeting that this cancer is it's one of those that old people, older people tend to get. Mm. There's, uh, you know, as you get older, uh, men, Corey and I, I mean, are both for, males. for the last 20 years, she's been dealing with different yes. forms. She had pancreatic cancer in 2009, uh, lung cancer in 2018. Uh, it, it, it's there, there's, you know, she's been, she's been a fighter for the whole way through. But, uh, Corey and I are both men. And at some point in our lives, if we are blessed to live long enough, our prostate will decide it's time to kill this person. And it is inevitable that if you, if a man was to live to be 150, he will either have his prostate removed or it will get cancer and kill him sometime in his life. There are just, the human body has now exceeded what our evolutionary step of aging is. So everything's just like, Hey, we're not designed to live this long. So, uh, cancer. Yeah. And uh, the tragedy for Ruth Bader Ginsburg is that she is on the the tragedy for her, other than her health and her family, is that she's on the Supreme Court and she can't step aside because of who she'll be replaced by. There is she has been stuck since the Merrick Garland disaster in 2016 with the idea that I need to serve till the next Democratic president, because no matter what there will be someone far to the right that I'm replaced with. And I cannot in good conscience allow that to happen. Well, also remember that, that right now, this moment in time, exactly now is still within the window of when Merrick Garland was nominated for a Supreme court seat within the window, meaning it happened further away from the election. We are, we are within the, the amount of time that, Garland would have been announced and the election would be coming. And what did Mitch say about it at that point? Uh, that it was too close to the election and that the voters should have a decision on who mm. the Supreme Court judge. Yes. You know. And yes. if Hillary Clinton wins, then Merrick Garland can be a, you know, we'll, we'll hear it. But, you know, if Trump wins, then I feel like we should listen to what his view on, you know, because yes. it's so close to the election. We can't let right. we can't decide this. Now, if something was to happen, <laughs> Clarence Thomas decides he wants to step down. Let's just say. What are the odds you think that uh, Trump just appoints someone and Mitch tries to shove through? Oh, 1,000%. There's not even a doubt in my mind. It could be November 1st. And yes, (laughs) you could have Clarence Thomas fall in the bathtub and they're going to figure out a way to push it through before January. Yeah. um, And uh, most importantly, my guess is they're going to find somebody, uh, I don't know, further to the right of Alex Jones and... (laughs) 
10 years younger. Yeah. Their, their goal would be to put a 31-year-old far-right justice on the court. Because then he's going to be there. Yeah, he's yeah. He's going to outlast everybody. Stephen Miller. I get it. Oh, yeah. Stephen Miller. Uh, <laughs> does he have a law degree? <laughs> I don't know. God, I hope not. <laughs> and now we've given him the idea. Now he's like, well, all right. Get off to law school. No, now I'm starting to worry whether or not that has to be part of the <laughs> equation. Okay, I um, just always assumed that you'd have to go through law school to be a Supreme Court justice. I figured don't. that it would be a law, but... No, you don't. You don't? Nope. Oh, my God. I never even thought of this. Why didn't I ever think of this? There are no requirements for being on the Supreme Court. I... Because uh, when the first nine were appointed... <laughs> They, like Washington thought, we're setting a standard. It's all very well-known jurists who have been at every level of the federal government, and uh, or it was the uh, colonial government at that point. But yeah. these guys are well-respected, and they're, they're known to be great jurists, and we're going to put them on a court. And it, for the first time, we're going to have nine of the greatest justices in one place. And then it took, you know, until Jefferson for him to appoint someone who was... Uh, more along of his political leanings yeah. than someone else's. And then slowly but surely they've creeped younger and younger till Roberts was 40 or 41 when he was appointed. Um, yeah. So no, there's, yeah. there's no, I don't think Kagan has a, um, I don't think she has a law degree or I don't oh, think really? she was a lawyer or a judge. She might have a law degree, but I don't think she was a lawyer or a judge ever. Hmm. She was at the uh, HHS, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. I think she, she might have a law degree, but she wasn't actually ever a practicing lawyer or a judge. Interesting. Yep. I figured that would have been, uh, I guess I wasn't paying attention at that point. But At at 27, when I graduated from law school, yeah. I was overqualified for the Supreme Court. <laughs> uh, could not be elected to the Senate, could not be elected governor. Right. Could be placed on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, three years earlier when I was like, I feel like I should go to law school. Bush could have been like, you know what? Forget law school. You don't need that. <laughs> Up to the Supreme Court with you, Mr. 28-year-old. You seem like a good fit. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> now, you have to get passed by the Senate. Yeah. And if it's a Democratic Senate uh, and a Democratic president, then I will 100% believe that it's got to be a well-qualified jurist who's been on the bench for a long time. Who's middle of the road. Who middle of the road. Feathers. Center left, maybe at max. Yeah. Um, if it is a Republican president. Right of Ginsburg. That's that's yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if it's a Republican president and if they have a 66 to uh, what's the rest of that for 34 yeah. uh, result in the Senate, you are going to get Stephen Miller. That is who you're going to get. <laughs> like Don Trump Jr. Oh, Eric, <laughs> Eric. Eric Trump. <laughs> Who, by the way, I cannot even picture in real life anymore. Yeah. It's just my cartoon <laughs> president. It's the only person I picture. But, um... Get well soon, RGB or RBG. Uh, we need you to stay on the bench for a very, very long time, unfortunately. So please be well. Yes. Uh, back on to the national news. <laughs> uh, Trump, a uh, deeply unsettled man who is unraveling before our eyes at a far, a far accelerated pace yes. to what it had been before. Uh, <laughs> this picture of him is so good. I can't wait to switch over. I can't wait till people see this. Uh, just him smiling over. Yeah, go ahead. Why are we talking about him this week? So there was a couple things uh, beyond the whole, you know, having having uh, federal law enforcement go into uh, American cities. Yes. And arrest people without uh, constitutional protections. Uh, we are also dealing with uh, a the CEO of Goya at some point last week said that we are all honored by the president's great leadership or something like that in a moment like this. Yep. 
and did exactly what he needed to do. And at, at the same thing that happens to literally every single one of these people who go up and say, like, Trump is an incredible leader mm-hmm. is uh, Democrats on Twitter start going like boycott, <laughs> boycott my pillow. Yep. And now uh, Goya falls into the the line of this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I have I have seen so much in the past two weeks of uh, of people I know on Twitter who are who are vowing to never <laughs> buy a Goya oh. product again. I, I'm getting a lot of those of, uh, pictures of the uh, the ethnic aisle in yeah. many stores where it's just like there are no beans at all on the top three shelves, but the Goya shelf all the way full. Yeah. L.A., you hipster nonsense. Beautiful. <laughs> but you're leaving everybody in suspense. Why? Is, how does this come into play with Trump? Well, he didn't like the fact that people were threatening to boycott this guy for saying that Trump's doing such an incredible job of, a, of an ethnic food company, by the way. That he has <laughs> never eaten in his life. It's incredible. And now Trump is behind the Resolute desk sh- uh, taking pictures with Goya products. Uh <laughs> Ivanka Trump on Twitter uh, posting a picture of her holding up Goya like wait wait don't degrade her like that she is chief white house <laughs> yeah I'm sorry I should I need to give her a proper title yes uh, chief white house advisor <laughs> chief Ivanka white Trump. house daddy's girl yeah whatever it is. <laughs> she has an official position which makes this a double hatch act violation <laughs> well if you want to talk about the hatch act being violated uh, he also had his Rose Garden press conference uh, a week ago or something like that where uh, he, it was a campaign event. I mean, I don't know how you watch that thing and don't say that he was up there campaigning because most of it was about how Biden is going to get rid of police forces and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, He's going to defund know, the police. Which defund the police. didn't which, say he was going to do. Yeah, he absolutely, absolutely <laughs> is not going to do. Is it uh, Chris Wallace? Chris Wallace, yeah. the first reporter to actually call him on it and... Uh, I like the fact that that uh, what Chris Wallace did on the the Fox Sunday mm-hmm. uh, show there was that he, all he did was just lay these little breadcrumbs for Trump to follow. It's yeah. just like uh, he's talking about the test, like the the Montreal uh, uh, cognitive test that yes. he aced, and the the doctors were very impressed. They've never seen anybody do it like that. The before. score, the score that he got, just <laughs> it was amazing. amazing. It was never uh, unlike anything. Yeah, uh, like you know, Wallace kept throwing in like, "Well, I took the test too." The, the third question is, "Is this a horse or something?" <laughs> And like he's just like, yeah, but it gets more more difficult as it goes along, and you wouldn't know about it. It's like I took the test. It's, <laughs> it's like get me the test. Eventually, it just leads to Trump just like bellowing for like somebody to get him. Like <laughs> there was the the point where it's just like uh, Biden wants to defund the police. It's like he's never said anything like that. And it's he, just said like, it he, he said, said it in the pledge. He said it in the pledge. He said it in the contract with with uh, Sanders. That's and it's not like, that's not what he said. Not sir. what he said. Oh, get me the pledge. <laughs> Fucking incredible! By the way, just little, t- just lead him along. Just wait until the, off the- camera gave him seventeen minutes to find <laughs> in the pledge where Biden said he would defund yeah. the police, and then apparently Trump, unable to find it, threw it away, and he said, "Move on." And so it seems to cut out of nowhere yeah. from like he didn't say that. G- give me the pledge, <laughs> Mr. President. What are we? <laughs> because he just didn't want any of that in. By the way, apologies to anyone who's looking at my hair right now. It's just doing whatever the fuck it wants. I have no control over this. It's quarantine, baby. I don't know. But uh, by the way, you skipped That's over this. That's coronavirus, baby. You skipped over this. I want to go back to it. Yes. That is the resolute desk. Yes. That Goya products are sitting on with this smiling idiot behind them. Um, why is the resolute desk important? Well, I mean, it's uh, been seen. Was, was it a. Uh, 
where where did the resolute death start? Did it was it uh with Roosevelt or was it with Eisenhower? I can't remember. It was Roosevelt. Roosevelt. The first Roosevelt, not the second Roosevelt. Oh, it was Teddy. Teddy Roosevelt. Oh. Yes. yes. Uh it has long been considered the official desk of the president, if you will. The, not every uh, president has used it. Though. Not every president has used it, mm-hmm. but a, a large major- majority of them use it. It's seen as the the number one desk in uh uh, presidential circles. Let's talk about things that have resided on the Resolute Desk. Yeah. Um, the order to bomb Japan mm-hmm. with nuclear weapons yeah. on the Resolute Desk. Right. Um, the signing of going to war, not yeah. once, but twice in a world war, has mm-hmm. been on that desk. Um, there was an order to start the global thermonuclear war residing on that desk. Yeah. Kennedy never signed it. But it was on the desk. Yeah. He instead decided to go with the uh, blockade by the yeah. name, whatever he called it. Quarantine. The quarantine of, of Cuba. Um, Reagan, I don't think, used it. Uh, Clinton used it. So. Um, and Obama used it. Obama used it, but I don't think Bush used it either. I think Obama. I think Bush used whatever Nick or whatever uh, Reagan used, which was Nixon's desk, which was some other Republican's desk. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it's a Democratic Eisenhower desk or something like that. Maybe it was the Eisenhower desk. Yeah. But Teddy is a. a but de- Republicans a, have used it. I mean, yeah. like it has it has been used by Republicans. Uh, um, Teddy was a Republican. Yeah. And then it was well, used by his cousin when he. Uh, <laughs> hey, Lincoln was a Republican too. Okay. <laughs> They were. Yeah, <laughs> technically. Something tells me that if uh, Teddy Roosevelt and uh, Abraham Lincoln just <laughs> sauntered into the uh, <laughs> into the uh, Senate, and they were just like, oh, let's go see what's going on in the Republican cloakroom. Yeah. And they yeah. opened up the doors, they'd be like, oh, holy hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the thing. If Lincoln, in his infinite wisdom, was to wander into the Senate just as they were breaking, yeah. and then was to follow a group which he thought would be the Republicans into the cloakroom, he would find himself in the Democratic cloakroom. He'd be like, wait, there's, there's all these a, white guys over there's here. There's an awful lot of women in here. Isn't <laughs> well, that's true too. <laughs> uh, maybe Roosevelt's a better example. Uh, yeah. But he would just say, hey, wait, uh, there's people of color, there's women. Clearly, this is my Republican party. I'm going to follow them into their clo- Democratic cloakroom. Well, let's go over to the Republican side. A lot of white guys. Uh, oh, hey, Tim Scott. <laughs> Shit, what was the uh, the senator who just died? Um, uh, Strom Thurmond. Yeah. yeah. He was still there, just yeah. like, hey, Strom, what's going on? <laughs> still, I remember uh, you. Hair's still kicking. <laughs> By the way, Strom Thurmond would have been how dare, a child. How dare you sully these holes once walked by Strom Thurmond? <laughs> Strom Thurmond would have been a child while Teddy Roosevelt was president of the United States. and he Was, was he born sem- at the turn of the century? He was 34. Five. No, he was in his mid forties in nineteen forty eight when he ran for president under the Dixie Crap Party. So he probably would have just been on the tail end of of now Roosevelt, Roosevelt. was in nineteen hundred to nineteen oh eight. So assuming that Strom Thurmond was no. like say yeah. Nineteen oh nineteen oh one to nineteen oh eight. Right? Because he took over he had the rest from of McKinley. It, yes. And then wasn't president from eight to twelve, ran again in twelve. But so let's say Strom Thurmond was 45 in 1948. Yeah. Then that means he was born in 1903 and was a child when Teddy Roosevelt was president of the United States. And he was in the Senate for like 70 years. And, you know, Teddy Roosevelt's no saint. No, uh, absolutely not. But uh, 
I think uh, I he still, probably. I, he I would, would. I would still. I would still rather have Teddy Roosevelt. I would rather just have a couple days with Teddy Roosevelt to tell him all the things he's not allowed to do or say anymore. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, then just let him, let him do yeah. what he's gonna do. Yeah. You let Teddy wander <laughs> onto the floor. He's gonna. Uh, he's gonna give his lunch order to Kamala Harris, and uh, <laughs> he's gonna give his shoes to uh, Cory Booker, and then it's gonna be a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's not. He's not a perfect guy, but you no. know, Trump. <laughs> we gotta keep everything relative. How unperfect do we want to be? Trump's they, born in this period and still that way. So, uh, in addition yes. to, to all the other shit, <laughs> speaking speaking specifically of the awfulness of Trump, uh, Mary Bar- Mary Trump's book came out uh, is coming out today. Is the podcast is released? I believe. Yes, I think, I this think is so. the Release date, uh, and she has been doing uh, the news circuit now that uh, the uh, restraining order from her talking about this is, is done away with. Um, yes. She she maintains all the awful things that we all know about Trump. And, uh, you know, like, uh, I guess if you're into the type of thing, apparently a lot of people are because it's going to be the number one time or New York Times bestseller uh, immediately once it becomes a released book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I imagine it's worth reading, but, you know, I don't think there's anything that we're learning here that we didn't already know in some way or another. More confirmation. Yeah, well, Somebody I mean, like, inside, who knows? Well, like, you know, she was being interviewed by Maddow, and uh, Maddow said, uh, has uh, Donald Trump ever said racist or anti-Semitic things? And she's just like, yeah. And she's just like, anti-Semitic? And it's just like, yeah. It's like, racist? And it's just like, yeah. It's like, how racist? And it's like, the n-word was used liberally <laughs> yes all the time like, like in my family literally anything was said all the time so yes he said it whatever it is you think he said it and it's just all like, of them not just yeah one. and like you just like watch Maddow just go like oh my god i was hoping that like at least somewhere like it'd be like no 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 he's a good guy at the behind closed doors he's fine but no he's just oh, as awful as i think he is behind closed doors too and like that Maddow, i still feel like has this like ex- the, this uh thing about her like even though she's uh uh, the commandeer for the resistance. She's also like deeply unsettled by how far America is falling every single day. And she just weighs on her, you know? Yes. But, uh, Oh, I have, uh, I apologize for you. There was the same uh, thing with Cuomo with like, he had an interview with her that I, I, I saw where, you know, he's he, blown away. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, I still, amazing stuff you're talking about in this book. I hear uh, Cuomo in the voice of Andrew Cuomo from our cartoon president, and I just don't <laughs> take it seriously anymore. Uh, we've been neglecting the Discord channel. Chicky cereal. <laughs> we've been <laughs> we've been neglecting the Discord channel, so yeah. I want to make sure uh, we go back. Uh, Tony Steele has once again joined us in the Discord. So, Tony, thank you for joining us. Uh, no matter where you're watching, you can comment on the stream there. It'll pop up here in the Discord. Or you can go into the Discord channel directly. The link will be there on social media. But uh, I think those are comments back from when we were talking about Portland. So I yeah. apologize, uh, Tony, that we missed it on that. We were really involved in that conversation. But thank you for, for joining us on this week's episode. Yeah, and if if, uh, if you do come into the comments, uh, sometimes th- there's about a 30-second delay between when we say something something and when it broadcasts on the internet yes yeah. and then there may be a little bit of a delay between us seeing it and when it's posted so uh if there's something specific that you want us to talk about i guess uh questions would be best yes or, you know anything and comments are fine just uh, gotta get some context yeah uh, i mean what tony has said here is uh it makes it easier to kill citizens the streets are already widened for tanks um uh, I'm guessing that was Portland. Uh, yeah. That's what we were talking about with Portland. So, uh, but some context can be helpful to help us uh, know what exactly it is that you guys are talking about. 
Uh, one other thing I want to circle back to, you mentioned it offhand, but uh, in the true Washington fashion, we are now 11 days, 10 days of the posting of this episode from the end of the month of July, where unemployment benefits will just stop yeah. for anybody uh, who has been uh, gone into unemployment because of a coronavirus. Yes. And of course, today, uh, the Republicans announced that they are finally ready to have serious talks about extending the uh, unemployment benefits. Right. And the mainly the main thing is that they had three trillion dollar plan last time. And of that. Nine hundred million dollars, which by my calculations is less than a third of the total money. Yeah. Was earmarked for. Unemployment. Hold on a second. Let me. Yeah, that checks out. OK. I just uh, J- quick mass uh, was uh, was marked for earmarked for unemployment benefits, and they only spent two to three hundred million of it. Mm-hmm. So essentially, the Republicans are only willing to talk because they're really just respending money that was already spent. But that three trillion dollars turned out to be something closer to a little over. Uh, I think it was like one and three quarters to two. Yeah. So now it's like, well, we have another trillion to play with. It's all debt, by the way. This is not yeah. money that exists. It's debt money. Um, and the Democrats, uh, because they are pushing their way to mediocrity, didn't put out a plan that was like, hey, thousand bucks a month for everyone until COVID is over. Yeah. They didn't say extending benefits plus. They said, look, all we want to do is extend benefits through September. Well, the problem is they, they feel like they don't want to overplay their winning hand. But they, they they walk into the room with their winning hand and realize, oh, yeah, we can be outvoted by the Senate. So our winning hand is nothing. Yes. Winning. The, the, the idea that most of the American people would be behind whatever we pitch at the moment yes. is that not good enough for the Republicans who have the votes, which is more important than the, the will of the people. By the way, I'll remind everyone, uh, if you happen to live in Kentucky, uh, Mitch McConnell is going to be in a very, very close election this fall. Yeah, uh, Amy McGrath, if you're uh, interested in looking it up. Uh, and also, but- I, I keep forgetting his name. I want to I want to talk about this at some point. There is a uh, far left progressive AOC style candidate, mm-hmm. uh, Indian gentleman, I believe, who is running against Nancy Pelosi in San Francisco. Uh, Indian and- gentleman or Native American gentleman? Uh, Indian, like gotcha. Asian Indian. Yes. Just making sure. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Uh, and. Uh, he is uh he seems pretty great to me. I don't know anything about him. I just saw a like passing article about like, oh, here's the poor schmuck who's running against Nancy Pelosi. Maybe <laughs> worth serious consideration. All I'm saying is I'd rather have an AOC type than a Nancy Pelosi type. Yes. Uh, that's just me. And uh, <laughs> that seat stay in blue no matter what. It doesn't really matter. So. Yeah, it's San Francisco. It's fine. It's two Democrats <laughs> are going against each other in the general election. Yes. You choose between which one of the two Democrats you want the most. Yeah. I argue the one who is not Nancy Pelosi would be the best. Because guess what? She was around when we did the 2014 National Defense Authorization Act. She was the leader, the speaker of the House at the time, much like she is right now. Yes. And uh, yes, these people cannot be trusted. Let's fucking move away from now similarly chuck schumer has an opponent in his primary or in his general election however that's a republican candidate and although he's unlikely to win against schumer i will still say go vote for chuck schumer because i would rather have a democrat in that seat than a republican but if i don't know aoc decided to run for senate yeah. from new york then let's clearly put her in the senate <laughs> instead of chuck schumer yeah and put somebody else progressive in her seat. By the yeah. way, that's that's the other problem is the flaw with Democrats winning the presidential election is that they're inevitably going to pull from the Senate for, you know, 
housing and urban development I mean, and state and everything else. So people, the, the, the right has uh, been very upset with uh, the, the likes of the squad and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and stuff like that. But with good reason, yeah. because for a change, uh, some of these people have decided that they are not going to already figure out what the middle point between the two arguments was going to be and start with that start as the that. as the beginning of the negotiation. Uh, AOC is like, no. Green New Deal. Here's all the things I want in it. Fight me on every single one. Yeah. <laughs> which is, a, which is, even if you don't like the Green New Deal, you have to respect the gusto in which he approaches it. Give no ground. Yeah. And then uh, eventually <laughs> never give ground. Never split the difference. It's, it's, it's a key role in negotiation that seems to be missing from yeah. uh, Democratic Party Even if handbooks. you know where you're going to end up. Yeah. Start far away from that so you have room to give down to that point. Don't start at that point and then well, give all, more. Well, all you've been doing is just eating into whatever McConnell throws at you. Because, yeah. I mean, McConnell's just going to be like, all right, we're talking about abortion now. So all of it is banned, every single one of them. And it's just like, well, clearly it's not going to be that. And it's just like, all right, well, I've already started my position of mm-hmm. negotiating. And uh, AOC, not that she has ever advocated this, but her negotiation style would be, okay, drive through clinics. <laughs> Seems appropriate to me. If you're inside the first uh, trimester and you can have uh, rifpristazone um, prescribed to you, drive through. No reason to see a doctor. Over the counter. Just go to CVS. And Mitch has a heart attack. And after he survives that heart attack, then says, okay, maybe we can meet somewhere in the middle in between these two things. Yeah. Don't, start, don't start with some abortions for some, some abortions for none. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, start very extreme and then see where you end up in the middle. Yeah. Um, but uh, back to the topic, which is unemployment, yeah. uh, the Republicans are finally willing to negotiate, which means that in true Democrat style, they're fighting their way to mediocrity. And well, well I've already but. I've already seen the the uh, the tweets that are saying uh, we expect to land somewhere between two hundred and four hundred dollars for that unemployment benefit. Yeah, uh, it was seven hundred. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just a, a peek into what it's like to be a freelancer on mm-hmm. unemployment. Uh, I never in my wildest dreams imagined I would ever go on unemployment, but okay. well, th- you couldn't these qualify are, before. Well, now. <laughs> these are very unusual circumstances and they allowed it for freelancers. Uh, my state amount of unemployment I would be getting if there was no coronavirus, uh, cares act stuff involved is $130 a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so right now I am at $730 a week, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, like still better than a lot of people, are getting paid right now on minimum wage. Yep. Uh, but is also not a compelling, re- you know, like I also think that there, there needs to be some sort of factoring into where you live that goes into this thing. I was going to say, because uh, if, if somebody in Maryland here, $700 a week in unemployment. <laughs> and they, I mean, they're probably getting, you know, people there are getting $700 sure. a week. It's a King's ransom. I'm living better than I ever have before. <laughs> My rent is $700 for the month. So you've already paid for rent in one week. <laughs> oh, just, you sweet souls. <laughs> you, you beautiful, smart little idiots. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. Uh, it's not quite the same in Los Angeles or New York or San Francisco. No. Uh, where uh, $700 is, you're getting by. You're you're yeah. figuring out a way to make it happen. A, uh, a one-bedroom apartment in Los Angeles averages at 1900 a month? Yes, yeah, I would say like month? 17 to yeah. nine, depending on how wide you're casting. I don't count the casting. valley. Okay. I don't count the valley. So south of the hill? South like, of the hills, <laughs> east of the hills. So in the basin. You're probably talking two grand then. Yeah, 21, maybe 2200 Yeah. Um, 
if you get really lucky and you're in an old building and it's coronavirus and they're starting to lose people who are moving uh, yeah, home. I mean, like average. But, you know, this is probably a last summer average as opposed to. Yeah. There, there's deals to be had, I imagine, right now. Well, I was going to say, and unfortunately for most people, uh, they're stuck in a uh, lease and they can't yeah. get out of it. So the 2300 they agreed to last year is what they're stuck in. Well, so. not only that, but I mean, like, there's a lot of people who are uh, dealing with getting evicted the second that the courts will allow yeah. evictions to happen again. Yeah. You're living in a constant state of, I haven't been able to pay the rent since this whole thing began mm. and it's not getting any better. And my due amount is just building and building and building yeah. so that by the time in November, maybe you, you finally get to, to see a judge about an eviction. Uh, there's no, there's no effort being made to pay off the debt and you're at $10,000 or something like that. And you it's just bad. get kicked out. Yeah. Uh, and, we are the the worst part about the unemployment thing is that we are remarkably close to about 20% of the population of the United States to become homeless and incapable of digging themselves out. Yep. If all efforts are made to restrict the amount of money that they're getting. By the way, and it, it, it's you know I, I there's Republicans who are saying that the reason for fighting the the high unemployment benefit is for keeping the deficit down Yeah. to which I want to say, go fuck yourself because uh, my tax dollars are going towards giving money to corporations and billionaires to keep more of their money. They have never been richer. They have gotten even richer during the period of mm -hmm. economic downturn of the coronavirus. Weird. I can't Weird. work. I can't go to work. I, a film set can't get insurance right now. Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, you could hypothetically get a permit, but you wouldn't be able to actually shoot anywhere without insurance. So I am currently sitting in a place where even if I wanted to work, I can't. And uh, South Korea, who had the same first case on the same first day as us, uh, is now at the point where they have no case. They had zero like, case. Yeah. It was like zero cases the last hundred days. They had 14,000 Total cases. Florida had 14,000 total cases in a day. <laughs> so we're not, yeah. you know, we're clearly not on top of this. And I would love, you know, I think everyone's best intention when, when the CARES Act passed the first time is that we just need a couple months to figure this out. Hopefully it's all done by President's the President's on it. We're going to figure yeah, it out. You know, we got Fauci. <laughs> we got a whole bunch of people who are really smart who are going to be in charge of this thing. Nope. Definitely not Donald Trump, but he's just going to supervise. He's going to make sure everything's being done right, hiring all the best people and all mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. He's no, a good businessman. Uh, yeah. So by the way, uh, it, I, it's only the, the fault lies. The reason why you need to, to basically re-up the CARES Act until further notice is because I don't trust that Trump is ever going to be able to figure out enough to be able to get the cases down. No. Like, I, the vaccine will come. That is, the only thing that's going to stop it at this point is a vaccine. I mean, I worry. It, there, there's more stories coming out, too, about people getting it again. Yeah. And there's more concern that the, uh, the antibodies kind of live in you for only four months. If that, like, yep. that's sort of like a, a... Or that the virus is mutating in a way that the antibodies aren't effective against it. So. Or that there's various strains that are reacting differently because there's a lot more young people who are ending up in the hospital in L.A. Yep. I mean, they're not dying, which is nice, but they're Good. going to the hospital. Good. Uh, I love the tweet of, like, uh, oh, no, L.A. did everything wrong and everything went wrong. <laughs> like, but, Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I mentioned this to Corey earlier. Um I see all you non-maskers, and I just want you to understand that 
if someone that I care about um, comes down with this virus when we could have stopped this months ago and didn't, yeah. Um, as my last gift to them while they're sick and in the hospital and close to death, I am going to harvest some of those COVID uh, germs into a bottle of water, a spray bottle. And I'm going to fill it with water. And I'm going to go around the city. Um, and if I have to come back to Maryland to do this, I will absolutely do this. Uh, and this is a threat, so people should take it seriously. Um, if I see you without a mask on, I'm going to spray you directly in the face with my water bottle full of COVID germs. And then you can go on the internet and talk about how there's no COVID, but I'm going to give you COVID because I am sick and tired of dumb people controlling the conversation. It's ridiculous. Put a goddamn mask on and stay inside. What, what's amazing to me is I'm gonna, I, I, all I, the only place I ever go is to a quick shop to get something and get the fuck out. Oh, yeah. Wait, what shops, though? Like uh, uh, gas You stations? know, like gas stations and, you know, 7-Elevens and stuff like that. Uh, you know, personal items. Uh, <laughs> healthcare items? Yeah, healthcare healthcare items. I used to, I used to categorize it in mint under, under healthcare items. <laughs> uh, the, uh. <laughs> I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> uh, I I go to I go to stores I, in and out. Yeah. Uh, I went to the grocery store uh, for the house uh, not too long ago, and I had my whole list there, and it was just immediately Fast like every every it. single place I could go to immediately, and then out. Yep. Uh, I'm not trying to hang out. I'm trying to keep the mask completely on my face. Not even the pull it down to the chin or anything like that. Nope. Keep it on my face from the moment I walk out of the apartment to the moment I walk back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless I'm in the car and the windows are up and I have the air recirculating and stuff like that. I feel like there's a safety in that sure. too. Uh, as opposed to being out and about. Uh, but it, I, I went out to get lunch today just to pick up lunch. And the amount of people who were either wearing a ma- not wearing a mask or wearing a mask incorrectly... Which is well, al- we, almost feels as bad as the not wearing the mask. We have to have the mask on in L.A. So a lot of people are putting it on and they're just rocking it on their chin the whole time. Yeah. And if anybody says anything to them, they're like, oh, I got oh, my mask. Sorry, yeah. But yeah. they're not wearing it. I'm going to spray you in the face with COVID. And then we're going to find out if it's real or not. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Stupid fucking people. Unemployment benefits should be extended. We should lean on people to do this. It's utterly necessary uh we're not going to get the plan that we deserve and and the one last thing on this Corey, i really wish that a presidential candidate would come out with i don't know some sort of like fair and square deal like a new deal that's not a green new deal but just about really addressing real issues where is that candidate it's not kanye west because that dude's having a mental (laughs) health crisis and needs to needs to get i don't want to i don't want to talk about kanye because i don't feel comfortable talking about somebody who is clearly going through something yes that needs to be addressed because uh, i i don't i don't know how you let him leave the house and do that sort of thing like because it's the kardashians and they're like oh i know so Uh, well it's uh, deeply unsettling let's talk about somebody else who's going to run for president in 2024 (laughs) then Larry Hogan, governor yeah. of Maryland. Uh, if you uh, don't know who he is, check out the video. He's sitting right here next to me. Um, and as uh, Corey said in the intro, uh, clearly Larry is going to be running for uh, president in 2024 because he put out, or is going to put out very shortly, a wonderful piece of fiction, which <laughs> just outlines uh, how great a job he did. A beautiful done piece of bullshit. As the governor of Maryland. And Stephanie Rowling's Blake took him to task for what is in his book. And 
I don't know. Like, listen, the person who did the least good job at her job can call bullshit on your book. Yeah. I'm saying that maybe none of it's true. That's basically where <laughs> I'm at with that. I mean, if I'm making a power rankings of the people who are most responsible for where we are, like, for who caused the most damage during Freddie Gray. Yes. SRB is way up at the top. And, you know, the problem is there's a lot of other people who are directly involved who are way up there, too. Like, Anthony Batts is way up there. And uh, other people who are up at, at the high ends of police control and stuff like that. And uh, uh, certainly, oh, God, who was the council president? Oh, Pew. Well, Pew was causing trouble. Yeah. Yes. She wasn't council president. She was a uh, uh, state senator at the time, though, I think. And then she was on the council, though, wasn't she? She went from the state senator to the council. Not the president, yeah. just she on wasn't, the council. She wasn't president. I can't remember who was president at the Jack time. Jack Young? No. Oh, it's killing me. Anywho. Sheila Dixon? Nah. <laughs> she wasn't allowed to run yet. Um, oh, that's right. She just ran for mayor. That's yeah. right. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm kind of blown away that uh, Stephanie Rawlings Blake feels like she needs to butt into this thing at all because uh, she is the worst of, how about this? Uh, first one between Larry Hogan or Stephanie Rawlings Blake who wants to tell me the other one who shut down Mondawmin Mall and caused the Baltimore uprisings to basically burgeon the two of you both see, can't possibly have both done it at the same time yeah. or maybe you did but if mayor if Rawlings Blake knows that Hogan shut down Mondawmin then let's hear it tell us yeah because I'd love to know that information. Yep. If Hogan knows for a fact that Stephanie Rawlings Blake shut down Mondawmin and kept everyone caged in in the small mm-hmm. little area with a violent police force, then uh, maybe he should talk about that in said book. Uh, other it, than that, everything else that uh, all the things that he talks about in this thing is the fanciful fairy telling nonsense of this white knight Republican that doesn't exist because I like. Hogan, generally speaking. Generally speaking, yes. I think that he definitely gets it wrong sometimes, and he has a hard time admitting when he gets it wrong. Mm, yes, uh, a, a lot of times, but yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. And I think the problem is that there is a... There's a like kind of dad figure in Larry Hogan yeah, where you feel like he... Uh, he might not always get it right, but he's coming from the right place when he tries to figure it out. You know, like he... Did it, it, an example occurs to me. Reno 911. Uh, Dangle is uh, te- about to test a new vest. Yeah. And he looks at Travis and he's like, uh, How- how's your shooting? Are you able to do this? And he's got a nice tight grouping of nine shots. Yeah. And then Dangle walks over and he goes, what about this little guy? And it's up off the shoulder of the uh, model. And he's like, oh, don't worry about that little guy. That little guy is nothing. That's Larry Hogan. Yeah. Usually on point, like rolling back the uh, Bay Bridge toll and you know investing money in the right things and like we're gonna stay inside and shut stuff down and then mandami mall is this little guy up here or uh you know moving schools to the other side of labor day yeah why (laughs) because we want them to stay all summer that's why you know it's that's why it it's a lot of uh, i mean the the problem here is that i would not have thought about how larry hogan the thought process of larry hogan unless he released a book yes uh, which probably would be better for Larry Hogan because he there's things in the book like where he's talking about Freddie Gray, right? And he's just like, keep in mind, this guy's no choir singer. 
And I'm just like, okay. And it's just like, he's some crip related, multiple drug offender, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, uh, now you just sound like you don't know what the fuck you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Because like, number one, gangs in Baltimore are like clothing designers you wear. Like, it's not, you're not really a crypt or a blood or a, if you're in the, in the prison, you're absolutely 100% in the oh, black yes. gorilla family. Yes, yes. Uh, and when you're out, you're still well, a hey, member Corey, of the black gorilla family, but I'm it's trying a to prison get laid. Gang. I'm yeah. trying to get laid while I'm in prison. There's only one way that's <laughs> happening. I got to join the BGF. That's how it works. There's a, there, there's a, yeah, I was BGF in prison, but now I'm back out. And it's more about the neighborhoods than it is about the gangs. There's not, there's not a whole lot of gang things. So anytime anyone in Baltimore ever talks about gangs, it's like when Anthony Batts got came in. Yeah, he's comes comes from California. He's just like we got to get the gang problem under control. And I'm just like, what do you mean by this? Like, yeah. <laughs> anywho, uh, the the idea that uh, Hogan is trying to like uh, put his rationale on the page, yeah, makes it less interesting to me. I, I know why you do it. You release a book before you run for president. Yes. That way you can sell the book while you're running for president and make some money in case mm-hmm. you can't be president. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's a good, if you're out it's by a good Iowa. formula for making some money before you become president. Amazon uh, don't close after <laughs> Iowa. You know what I mean? So you're good. Uh, and I, it just makes me realize that, like, he, he doesn't give a shit. Like, and that that's the real problem is that, like, it's all formulaic and it's all... You know, the, the, the person who wrote Stephanie Rawlings Blake op-ed for her did a very good job of pointing out some things like, yes, he has increased spending on schools, but only by the exact amount that he was required to do so by the uh, legislature and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Like there's a there's a lot you can you can poke at Larry Hogan uh, at the end of the day. What I always kind of liked about him uh, as a. I'm turning on the TV. There's some big news story and Larry Hogan's going to talk about it. And I hope that it, it, he doesn't screw up here. Yeah. Is that usually it it would come from some sort of reasoned approach. Like, you know, like, Oh, I've thought about this. And I, I think that the most prudent thing to do is, start schools after labor, you know, or whatever. Like you would say, uh, arguably it, opening up on in COVID was because all of the medical people in his staff were saying, we flatten the curve. Yeah. We're good. We can reopen. And now, He's ignoring them because he likes that the economy is back open and they probably should re-shut. But I guarantee you that I'm, they'll I'm honest, do that before uh, Gavin Newsom will. I'm honestly worried that that uh, in Maryland that the cases have just been rampant and nobody fucking knows. I mean, like, there's just not testing rec- mechanism for it. On the shore, I can tell you they're not testing very much at all. So I mean, like, I, I just see so many people back home in Maryland who are completely without masks or, you know, like yep. doing all the things that is illegal elsewhere. And, uh, not, you know, I, I get that, you know, different parts of the country are going to be different here, but like, it seems like nobody's paying attention to what's happening elsewhere. Like the people in Florida were having fun and, and frolicking on the beach up until the moment where they weren't anymore. Yeah. And now they're like very serious. All right. Master on. We gotta, I just feel like as soon as I learned that, uh, that this might possibly be something that is in California, then I started wearing the mask. Yep. <laughs> I started protecting myself in ways. I started washing my hands more. All the all the all the things that are asked of you. I have a friend from Hofstra. Yeah. Who uh, still follow on Instagram. I think that she still follows me too. But I doubt she's listening to podcasts. But nonetheless, uh, decided to go to Ocean City, Maryland. Why? Because it's open. Because the Jersey beaches are closed and there's nowhere to go in New York. So yeah. she basically just went down the eastern seaboard and was like, "Oh, Ocean City's open. Let's go." Yeah. And I'm following while she's on vacation, and it's just like. 
you're not wearing a mask and no one's wearing a mask. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, there was one story, Instagram story, making fun of a couple of people who are walking on the boardwalk with masks on. Just like, yeah, it's like they think it's a serious thing. And I'm like, she's not a, like a crazy person. Yeah. She literally just sees no one's wearing it and assumes it's not a problem in Maryland. And Maryland's reporting it's not a problem. Yeah. But it is most definitely a problem. Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like it's only a matter like if you're if, if you're going well right now, it's not necessarily because you've done something right. It's just a matter of time. And yep. I trust like no state better than Maryland because you have Johns Hopkins. You have yeah. all these incredible healthcare and medical facilities in Maryland that which are fully capable of helping the state get through this. Uh, but it's really tough to to think that nothing is happening, right? <laughs> like yeah. there's just no, the virus just isn't in Maryland for whatever reason. Cause it did such a good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly. It's, most important thing, Gory, is not about whether there's cases. It's that ocean city is open. For there's 39 day. States that are having rising case counts yet. Somehow Maryland is just avoiding all this stuff and all the, uh, nurses and medical people that I follow who live in Maryland are just partying fancy free. Yeah. <laughs> If there was their one bars. bar, there that, was a there was a video too I saw in Nashville where someone yeah. was just driving down. Oh like yeah, the, the main outside strip. the bar. Yeah, where it's all tourists. It's a tourist area of town, yeah. but people just coming into town because there's no mass. There's Nashville's open. You can go to the yep. bars and party. So people are like making trips to Nashville. You know what that means? It means that a lot of people with the virus are coming and congregating with other people who have the virus. Some of which will stay in Nashville, and some of which will spread back across the country wherever these people came from. So one person in Maryland who went to Nashville this weekend because they thought it'd be fun. Yeah. I'm going to take it back and get a whole bunch of people's fucking sick. If I had to ask you what one bar you are sure is open in Ocean City, what would that one bar be? Secrets. Secrets. (laughs) And uh, this same person posted a picture. Was I right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. This one person posted a picture from Secrets, several pictures from Secrets. Um, in one of the pictures, no one's wearing a mask. Yeah. And there's no social distancing out in the, the bay where you can sit in the bay itself. And uh, they, the caption made commentary about how they were making friends with people from all over the country who had come because ocean city's open. And I'm just imagining like any one of these 12 people that you're sitting with amongst these tables yeah. is sick in an asymptomatic spreader. Now you are all taking it back to New York, to South Carolina, to Ohio, to Pennsylvania, wherever you're from, all of you are going to take it back. Yeah. And now you're going to become your super spreaders. Because you had to go to Ocean City to see. You, you want to know? You want to know how how uh, how poorly we've been handling this? Go take a look at where your U.S. passport will allow you to fly. <laughs> okay. Spoiler alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert! It's about three countries. It's about Mexico. It's like Nigeria. And I think that's it. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's and pretty Mexico low. is touch and go. You <laughs> might not. Get, you might get in and not get back. You might uh, not get in. <laughs> They shut it down for for uh, holiday weekend. Yeah. I know that because they were worried that so many people who were sick in Arizona were just going to come, come down over. to the Mexico beaches, and uh, they closed it up for American citizens at that point. I know we, that. But. We're so dumb. Uh, we don't. We just deserve all. All of this is just evolution and adaptation is working. The planet is continually trying to kill us, <laughs> and we are just allowing it to happen. So one last thing before sure. we go. I just lightning wanna, round this. What do you? Yeah, got? yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to play the drop or not? Oh, uh, no, no. Let's just go okay. to the story. Sports ball. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, Washington Professional Football Club has found itself in more trouble. Uh, and believe it or not, it is not in relation to the name. Uh, 
the news broke here recently that uh, 15 different pe- 15 different women uh, talking to the Washington Post uh, were detailing uh, truly horrible uh, sexual harassment and sexual assault by various members of the Redskins organization, including people who are within the inner circle of Dan Snyder, the owner. And uh, upon the larger exploration of the piece is the idea that Snyder allows for a very dysfunctional workplace that allows for this type of thing to strive or uh, to to grow and stuff yes, like that. Yes, yeah. Um, and the thing that, you know, I, I feel like if you said uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 15 women at the Washington Redskins uh, have come forward with stories of sexual harassment of some sort of way, shape, way or shape, uh, you would get a lot of uh, female sports writers who cover the NFL to say only 15. Uh, and I think that we're, we're, uh, we might be on the cusp of the NFL's me too movement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because this has not traditionally been a place where women are treated with respect and, uh, kindness and where a lot of reporters have talked about how it's a good old boy game and sometimes you have to let things go to be considered part of the good old boys club yeah and you have to turn a turn an eye to things that you normally wouldn't do and i i'm uh i'm uh 100 fully in the position of let's clear this shit out right now. let's get rid of this because some of the the things from the redskin piece in particular are fucking incredible to me uh, I, I was talking before the show. Yeah. I, I I I don't consider myself perfect, but anytime I've ever thought about having a romantic interaction with a woman, uh, I have always thought in my mind, how is this going to be read? Yes. How do we, how, you know, like if, if this goes wrong, is it is it a, this was a simple misunderstanding, I'm so sorry, or is this a larger deal? Now, when and, you were, when you were working at uh, Andy Nelson's. Yeah. What are the odds you would make an inappropriate advance or comment to someone who worked directly for you in that business? Very low. Yes. <laughs> like zero uh, percent. Someone mean, like, who you especially didn't have a relationship with outside of work as I in mean, being friends outside of the office. I mean, I feel like there there's different levels of this uh, to to what are you considering? Because, I mean, like, I think that there is a perfectly there. There is something that happens uh, at every workplace male and female mm-hmm. where uh a bunch of the a bunch of the guys are all by themselves and it's just like oh Britney's really hot or whatever you oh know, no, whatever. and that's different no. and that's different and i i feel like there's the same thing that's happening with a bunch of female group i would workers getting together and having a similar conversation For instance, what, so, what uh, bothers me is like so there was one text that they had uh, and i can't find it right now god yeah. it, it kills me but i'm i'll put it in the show notes i'll find it i'll put it in the show notes but like it was like, can you pick up, you know, some girl saying, like, can you pick up Chipotle for me while you're out? And, like, the the male employee of the Redskins going, like, I get to touch that butt if I do. It's just like, where would you think that that would be a possible, like, you know, it, it's the old stand-up who had uh, had the joke about, like, uh, you know, I, I was walking down the street in this really tight outfit, and your father, who worked as a construction foreman, just yelled the most disgusting thing at me. And anyway, we got married. And, like... <laughs> Where in your where in the world do you think that like 
you know, like you that's have gonna work. You, you, that's going to work. And she's going to go like, yeah, hell yeah, you can touch that butt. Like, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> been waiting for you to bring it to me on a text message like this. I'm, like, I'm about to hire a new uh, receptionist, front desk person, yeah. uh, facilities administrator. And there are male candidates, there are female candidates. We're bringing in the best that we can. Like one person speaks seven languages. And I'm like, that's great. But then there's somebody who's got 15 years experience working at a front desk. And I'm like, oh, sorry. So two different skill sets, both are very good, and we have to do an interview. Yeah. But no matter what the, how that works out, dating this person is not on the table. They report directly to me, no. and if I make an advance, there is a better than, there is a 95% chance that any acceptance of that is about, I don't want to get fired. Yeah. So I'm going to say yes to the date. And even if you're inside, if I'm in, looking inside my company, it's still just like, well, at what point is it this person has some authority over me and I don't want it to be a bad situation? I was in this situation in a way because I, I was dating somebody I was working with at, at Nelson's. Yeah. And, uh, you know, normally I would I would say that uh, I wouldn't want to be dating somebody who's lower on the food chain than me. Right. And thankfully we were both managers. So we were like equal in, the, you know, we didn't. There was no way for me to have undue influence per se yes. on like what she was doing, and there was no way for the, it to and go the other way. That's like every business. Yeah, you can, and I mean, you can like, date at your level. Yeah, but not even someone else's subordinate because there's an, a, a image that like, well, I don't work for him. Well, I'm also her, saying you you're not allowed. You know, if if the two of you have some moment, it's just like, oh my god, I love you. I want to get married. Oh sure, right. I'm just gonna quit this job so we can continue. <laughs> Seeing each other. That would be, I feel like, the the best way of getting through that. By the way, also a horrible decision. Well, yeah, but don't do that. that. Don't do that, but... I'm just saying, at the very least, if you're you're so moral about it that you're willing to quit your job to stand on this horse, then... I I mean, that's uh, uh, the morning show. One of the uh, kind of the the B story plots Mm -hmm. is about this office romance, and uh, it's just like, listen, I'll quit the job. I don't care about the job. Like... Yes, we were at work and that's where we found each other and we became friends there and outside of work, the friendship blossomed into something else. Okay, I'll quit the job. I don't care about the job. That's the kind of thing that's like, all right, well, so it's not about the power relationship inside. It's that, you know, it just happened the way that it happened. But going back to this, though, I I think that uh, part of the reason why I say 15 sounds low to me is unless there's only been 15 women who've worked for the Redskins. Which seems low because I feel like they've had at least 15 cheerleaders on their team. Oh, but the cheerleaders don't, they're not in the org. They're in the like See, but I, side, I, right? It, it's, it, to me, it's, it, if, if there was anything that really got illuminated to me during the, during the burgeoning of Me Too, mm-hmm. like as it became a thing, it was that I have no idea how uh, many women have reported some sort of sexual harassment. You know, like, I could have, if you would have asked me to to fathom a guess at how many, what percentage of women have felt uncomfortable yeah. in some sort of sexual harassment situation at the office, I would have, you know, been like, I don't know, 50 maybe? But the number is we, so much higher We than look that. like the guy on Price is Right, where it's like yeah. 7, 750, 850, $1. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not even in yeah. the realm of possibility. Yeah. Like, okay. You're Just not even trying to cover everything in between. But guess what? It's it's higher than you even think it is. Yeah. But I, I, I'm almost sure that there's there's a, a myriad of women throughout the history of the Redskins organization who will say that they've had uh, the same, if not worst, uh, kind of treatment. Uh, different people who are 
sort of directly mentioned in the story have stepped down and yeah. moved away. I think there's like four people who've resigned in some sort of way. Uh, no real comments from them or the Redskins about like what's going on here. Well, we also like, we discussed how it, this is not likely to be. This is focused not because of a burgeoning Me Too in the NFL, but it's focused on Dan Snyder and yeah. like his running the organization. And well, I guarantee yeah. you that there is at least one person who left the Redskins because of whatever happened that Snyder didn't address. And then it was like, well, then I went to the Eagles and. Yeah, it was bad there too, and now that's when it breaks out. And it's yeah. like no matter what team you're on, it's the same. Everywhere. Well, I mean, like the it, what what I where I imagine this started, and I don't know anything. I'm just sort of like freelancing on on how this thing usually starts. Is uh, there was probably some minority owner or some higher up who was not in the direct ownership group of the Redskins who said Dan Snyder's fucking us by not changing the name. So I'm gonna get the ball rolling on something that'll get rid of Snyder if we need to, and then. Snyder drags his feet on wanting to change the name of the team. And then finally they make the decision, but it's too late because the ball's already rolling yep. down the hill yep. and there's no way to stop. Cause there was a, there was a solid three days before the, the, the post went up on the Washington post where people in DC sports media were going like, man, something real big is about to happen. Yep. I, I know, I know what's happening, but the Washington post is going to break something big on Thursday. And you're just like, well, how do you all know what it's going on and you're not saying anything about it? And it's like, because they're all working on stories yeah. on the same vein. And, you know, the Post has the exclusive with someone who's willing to go on the record. And uh, yeah, they, they reached out to somebody who said, I, I can't talk to you because I'm talking to the Post. 15, like, oh, all right. 15 women, 14 of them anonymous. Yes. And, you know, vetted by the Post. I'm sure I'm not, right. I, I'm not doubting their us, yeah. not to the Post. <laughs> anonymous to the people who are reading the article, which yeah. is us. Uh, but and again, all it's going to take is for someone to say, I worked for the Redskins. It happened there. I left because this happened and I went to another team and it continued to happen there. And the then pan, the Pandora's the box of trying to trying to get <laughs> Daniel Snyder out of his job yeah. is going to lead to the the continuation of every single organization in the NFL having to. And, much Speak like to what what kind of sexual harassment is going on behind their walls. Much and like I, Larry Hogan, I don't care how it starts. It's something good that can happen. So okay, on with yeah. it. Good. I'd night. rather I'd rather clear out of the worst that the NFL has to has to offer. And uh, judging from the text messages that were released, there's some pretty bad ones that, <laughs> that can be let go. Yes. So uh, that is that for sure. Um, but if you want to know where you can go see some real upstanding guys who are never going to cause some sort of problems like the Redskins. Don't speak. Don't, don't do it to yourself. (laughs) How about, uh, where could you find more psychic predictions years ahead of time (laughs) where uh, they would pan out? (laughs) Where else can you shake your magic eight ball? Oh, the anthem.com. Oh, the Corey of the anthem.com. Oh, the anthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line. Four, four, three, two, one, nine, seven, five, nine, five. What's the number again? Four, four, three, two, one, nine, seven, five, nine, five. Uh, you can find more of me at my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendCB5 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, I did not get a review out today, but there is one for... Uh, fuck. What was it? <laughs> what old did guard? I, what did I just see? Huh? Old Guard? What is it? Old Guard? No, I didn't do Old Guard yet. I guess uh. I could. I don't know. Oh no no! Uh, damn the uh, the documentary sports kit or so oh yeah showbiz kids, kids. showbiz kids yeah that that's worth seeing uh, and I talk about what it's like to work with kids on set in that video I'm trying to push more towards uh, uh, a filmmaker's perspective on these movie reviews so 
I was thinking about doing one on Eurovision, but I didn't want to be like, it's a shame when everything seems like it works out and then it just doesn't like, yeah. that's not a fun review. So I didn't do it. Uh, but they don't always have to be winners. I know. I, I got I just, some stinkers in there. It's like, I did not like this movie. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I think the problem with this one is that like, it's like you could see the best intentions of everyone going in. But like in some movies, it just for whatever reason, it just doesn't work. It just does. The lighthouse. Like the magic isn't there. The lighthouse. I saw it. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, new video this week, though, for sure. All right. And of course, you can find more of me at Robert and Cheek on all your social networks. Uh, Make sure you check out Robert and Cheek dot com. You can find links to the blog, the news website, the books that are available on Amazon. Byron's books. Thank you. Uh, Including uh, all of the uh, video catalog is not going up on uh, from the reviews. Uh, I am doing a short series on uh, the last two videos up were Quibi. The Plaza platform, and I'm going to do a couple of series from Quibi that I enjoyed. Uh, up today, most recently, is Most Dangerous Game, mm. the uh, show that actually brought me to Quibi, the one that said, hey, this might be worth checking out the whole platform. So, um, so yeah, you're going to find those uh, on the uh, at youtube.com forward slash Rob Cheek. So. Well, that sounds wonderful. Yes. All right. Well, I think we've done good here today. We've done something. <laughs> I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the O the Anthem podcast, part of the O the Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. Apologize, apologize in advance for my impossible curls. Yeah, that's not the only thing you have to apologize this week. <laughs> I mean, just wait a few years. Backlash. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>